Are you laughing now? on, my coffee's full, I'm ready to rock and roll. Welcome to episode 14 of Embrace the Suck, the only official, licensed, sanctioned, Thunderdome-dodging podcast of APG, bringing you two cents worth of free perspective on the heavy-hitting lifestyle. I'm your host, Bill Hart, coming to you almost live from the Western Hemisphere, where in almost every major city, on streets and in homes, on every media platform, highly emotional decisions are being made. Now, before I give you what you've got coming, let's get a quick Beard update. Rapidly approaching three months since Beard Reset Day, and I'm pleased to report that my present appearance loosely resembles that of a junior Islamic cleric. So I can't quite issue the big religious findings, but I can certainly do call to prayer at three in the morning. Make sure you're ready. So I had looked around at, you know, when I'm coming up with, uh, Hey, what do I look like, you know, this time around? And I look at some things, beard, beard, what kind of a beard? And I see this thing, beard struggle. And I never heard of it before, but beard struggle. And when I started looking at it, I immediately thought of, oh, that's where, you know, I've got, I've got parts of my beard growing different directions, grows at different speeds. And, you know, it's, it's hair growing out of a very curved surface, right? So it's going to go all over the place and it's, you know, it can be tricky to maintain. No, that's not what it means. These people are talking about trying to grow a beard. So I don't know, apparently, if you try hard enough, if you, you think about it, you struggle at it, then I don't know, I don't know, does that make your beard grow more? I don't know. I mean, if that works, I think I might try to, you know, I'll struggle to grow hair on the top of my head instead of just the front. I wonder if that'll work. I wonder if I'll just be wasting my time. One never knows. All right. Topic for this week. Right. I'd be disingenuous if I didn't say something about the state of things. So APG, we try to stay apolitical. We don't offer a stance. We just try to offer you something to think about, but to totally disregard something that, that the entire world has got an opinion on. You know, suddenly everybody is an expert. Everybody is an analyst and a statistical genius. So we're not going to go down that road so much because I think uh, – Everybody's had probably their fill of statistics and data for at least a little while. But I'm going to offer you both a high-minded intellectual perspective as well as a bare-bones, come-to-Jesus perspective. So I want to start out with, with the problem I have with media, whether that's mass media or social media or I cooked it at my house media, media in general. So the idea of media initially was to bring us closer together, right? To let people know what's going on. What are the relevant things that I need to know about, right? So in the day, that could have been the town crier or somebody posting a notice around town, letting you know what's happening, what's happening in the world, what's happening in the city. But now the big joke is that, that media actually puts us farther apart. And you see all the memes in the pictures of people, you know, 10 people sitting at a table and they all have their face in their phone. So they say, oh, no, media, you know, it doesn't actually, it doesn't actually bring us together. It puts us apart. Well, let's, let's take a little closer look at exactly how the things that are getting pumped into your head are affecting us. 
So I want to take a minute to roll some numbers around your head here. So first, stop rolling your eyes and just listen for a minute because everybody's had more than their fill of the statistical numbers for the last few weeks. But I want to get some perspective on what some numbers actually mean. So if I told you that you just won a million dollars, you won a million dollars, you might say, all right, a million dollars. I'll take a million dollars every time, right? I'll pay some bills. You know, of course, I got to pay taxes. And what, you know, after taxes, I mean, that's not really, it's not really that much, I guess, but it's better than no dollars, right? So I'll take it. That's good. All right. But we rarely appreciate the size, the gravity of some of the numbers that get thrown at us on a daily basis. So let's stop for a minute and consider some of these numbers. All right, so I just said, hey, you won a million dollars. Well, man, you say a million dollars, that's, that's good. It's not that much. Well, if we look at a million, a million minutes ago, it was April of 2018. One million minutes. Ten million minutes ago, 9-11 hadn't even happened yet. 100 million minutes ago, it was 1830, and the first railroad station opened in Baltimore, and plans for the city of Chicago were being laid out. 200 million minutes ago, it was 1640, and Ibrahim I was crowned the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire. So where am I going with this? Yeah, just, just work with me for a minute. You're going to hear this. 300 million minutes ago, it was 1450, and Johann Gutenberg was just setting up his printing press operation. So why am I going on about this? Why am I throwing these numbers at you? Well, how many people do you think live in the U.S.? Take a guess. Get a number in your head. 330 million. That means if the life of every single person, man, woman, and child in the U.S., was one minute long, it would stretch from right now today to all the way back to before Istanbul was Constantinople. And in all that time, you are just one minute. From now to Constantinople, you represent one minute. Does that seem quick? Well, I'll look at it this way. Two minutes ago, two lifetimes ago, I told you you won a million dollars. So this gives us a look at how small our lives are laid out next to each other. And it's humbling to say that, yeah, all those people are so small in the grand scheme of things, but then to realize that out of all those minutes stretching from now back to 1393, you are just one. 60 seconds, poof, and you're gone. But you look at the media... They show you a very different picture. They show you somebody. They show you just one of those lives, one of those minutes out of 330 million. And a magic box shows you one. And they start working your emotions. And they demand you sacrifice that one minute you've got here for something that's as far away from you as Christopher Columbus was from the moon launch. And right now, people are making very emotional decisions. Right, people are getting spun up, they're doing things that they're sure they would never have done. And the thing about emotional decisions is that once the emotions have leveled off, the consequences remain. Things people have said, things people have done, in an attempt to do what they felt was right, 
while they were letting their emotions get the better of them, those consequences don't just wash off. Now you look around, you see a lot of people, they're on about you need to get out there, you need to change the world, everybody's telling you what you got to do, everybody's telling you what you got to do, you need to do, you need to change. Nobody's talking about, hey, here's what I'm going to do. And what I'm going to do, that doesn't mean I'm going to go hassle people and tell them they got to do things. That's not you doing something. That's just you making somebody else's one minute on this planet a little more miserable. So is our society functional right now? No. Is there room for improvement? Yes. But with 330 million other people at this party, is there a positive way for me to generate a change that benefits on a scale of 330 million people? No, sorry. You're going to be hard-pressed to find any singular act that benefits 330 million people. And the reason for that is that building a functional society is just like building a sandcastle. It's hard to build. It takes time. Nobody ever wants to help, but everybody wants to take their picture next to it. And there's no end of people waiting to rush in and knock it down the second you're not looking. So back to the original question, what can you do? Because unlike what every college freshman believes, you're not going to change the world by blocking traffic and taking a selfie. You're going to have to think different. So maybe instead of what can you do, we ask it a little different and we think about what can you do? What can I do? Well, I'll tell you what I can do. I can influence the room I'm in. If I'm sitting with people, if I'm talking to people, even if I'm just standing there where someone can see me, I can be thinking about how I can exert influence. How can I be an example? What can I take and what can I give in the minute I've got that makes people walk out of that room stronger, smarter, better than when they walked in. Because that way you don't got to operate like you're trying to change the world for 330 million people. You only got to operate within arm's reach. You only got to influence the room you're in. But we only got one minute. So get hot. Now, that was the intellectual part of the talk. So zip up your jackets because now the heavy stuff's going to come down. If you got small kids, you maybe you send them out of the room a little bit. If you think you might get a little squeamish, maybe you just stop listening here. You got some things to roll around in your head. You can go on with your day. For everybody else, I mentioned the sandcastle. Building anything, building a society, building a relationship, any of these things is like a sandcastle. It has to be maintained. If you're not there to tend it, it will disappear. It will become like the rest of the beach. It will be washed away. It will be like it never happened. So right now, we're looking at mass chaos and destruction in over 140 cities in this country. And this is after people have been out of work for months. People in 140 cities looking to get back to work, get some money coming in. But they can't because somebody burn their job down, burn their city down in some cases. And people say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And then they go on to explain why stomping on a huge chunk of the other 330 million people 
that they're sharing time with who already are having a hard time was the right thing to do because the magic box told you about this incident that set you off. And then even when being confronted with the fact that emotional decisions are being made, decisions to do things that cannot be taken back, decisions that are destroying civilization, there are people doubling down, and they say that they want police disbanded altogether. They say they want the people responsible, whether they do a good job or not, for maintaining law and order to go away. So let me say this as simply as I can. I've already been where you're trying to go. You don't want to go there. When I was in Iraq in 2007, I was at this guy's farmhouse at about three in the morning. And we were, in a, we were in a small town called Abu Bali. So we worked out of a town called Habaniya, and it's along the Euphrates River. And it's between, like a small farming community between Fallujah and Ramadi. So as the operators in each of these towns start really bringing the heat, you know, all these, all these guys are honestly just gangsters, thugs, murderers. They get pushed out to the middle of nowhere. So this town, Abu Bali, this is where a lot of them were hiding out. So we go, we helicopter into this place, get dropped off. And we're flying over the desert, the desert, the desert. And now we see the town in the distance and we're approaching and the lights are on. And then we see a flare go up. We see one flare go up and every light in the town goes out. So this tells us one of two things. One, either the entire town is against us or two, somebody in town is against us and is in control of everybody else in the town. So we go and we find a good-sized building where we'll be able to get up on the roof the next day and take a look at what goes on. We get there in the middle of the night. It's like 3 in the morning. And I'm sitting with this guy. And he's forthcoming. He's telling me the people that roll in, the guys that wear the masks, you can't be looking at them, you know. It's very bad, it's very bad, but it's a good people in this village. Everything will be fine soon. It's okay. And he says, hey, can I go and go to the bathroom real quick? I say, yeah, go ahead, man. There's a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. And I see this guy walk into one of his back rooms. I say, what, 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 where are you going? I know you don't have a toilet back there. No, he doesn't have a toilet back there. They usually go outside, but he can't go outside at night. Now, why? Because the people that have rolled in and taken over this little town. They'll cut your head off if they catch you outside at night. He says, I don't want to get my, get my head cut off because that's what happened to his neighbor. His neighbor went outside to take a leak and his neighbor got his head cut off, got it left on the hood of his car. You don't want to have that conversation. I've heard kids screaming when they're in a room, when an explosive breach goes off. I don't want to hear that again. I've seen what a power drill can do to a shoulder blade. I know what bad people will do to decent people when they're not looking. You think you got injustice now? You think people are getting treated wrong now? You think there's divisiveness? You're setting yourself up for the most abusive existence you can imagine. And the worst part is that the people yelling the loudest for it are the ones that are going to suffer the most. You want to feel bad for somebody? You look at a teenage girl who's beat black and blue because she doesn't want to be a prostitute. Have you seen that? I've seen it. 
Have you seen a five-year-old kid walk in the streets at 2, 3 in the morning selling chewing gum so his family can stay alive? Have you seen that? I've seen it. I've been to these places. I know how to survive these places. And I don't want to go back. Nobody who's been there wants to go back. And that should be an indicator to you. When you hear people talk who have the same experiences and they're all saying the same thing, that should be a big warning light to you that maybe you're going down a road that you don't necessarily want to be on. Because what you're angling for isn't anything like what you're envisioning. Nothing is funny. Nothing is easy. Nothing is dignified. And the only change of pace you can expect is when life goes from monotonous to sheer terror every other day or so. You don't want it. So that's what I'm going to leave you with today. Think about what you actually want. And then think about what you can actually do. Not for 330 million people, but for you. And with that, I'll leave you with the words of Santa Claus as he said goodbye to a young Ted Kaczynski and reminded him, maybe just think about it.